0: Live from Los Angeles, this is L.A. Talk Radio, broadcasting for the seventh year.
1: You're listening to All About Guitar with Jeff Loro, only on L.A. Talk Radio. instrument and has developed into an incredible voice in today's music so many types of guitars so many styles of playing all sorts of gear how does one make their voice be heard as a guitarist my name is Jeff Floro and welcome to all about guitar where we talk tone, we talk technique, we talk gear. Where we discover how we can become better musicians in a world of constantly changing technologies, where we take a good look at everything guitar, and sometimes not exactly guitar, but just as important, so we can be more successful as a musician in today's music scene. So sit back and relax, and let's explore All About Guitar. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to All About Guitar. We have a great show for you tonight. I'm very honored to have Troy Dexter on. He's a guitarist, but he's also a keyboardist. He's a producer. He does a lot of different things, plays a lot of different instruments, and is presently playing with Wilson Phillips. Uh, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Ben. It, thank it's you a so pleasure. Much. And but before I, I'm going to play a clip to kind of set the mood of the whole sh- of the whole uh, show. But before that, I just want to mention Lori's in studio and congratulations on a great right, show. Jeff,
0: thank you so much, and thanks for helping to promote it. It was great, really great night last night over at CSUN.
1: Thank that you. was a big stage. I, I can see why you use that place because there was a lot of musicians,
0: yeah, thirty plus people. Wow.
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm going to open up with a clip from. Um, Uh, uh, Troy's new album called Shop Talk and uh, then we'll start talking there's a lot to talk about uh, in terms of gear and all sorts of stuff there's some he gets some interesting tones this is Ground Zero take a listen here a great cut i love that guitar sound the tone is is great before we do anything what were you using on that
2: uh let's see on that tune um is this guitar right here that i have in the studio it's my blue les paul i don't even know what year it is i think it's in 80s or something um i used it through a i mean for the just basic clean sound i use it through an mxr dynacomp going into my uh mesa boogie tri-axis preamp into the 290 power amp just one side of it. it's just mono and just you know put the old uh trusty sm57 microphone in front of a 12 inch
1: speaker and so your mic that's actually power amp mic speaker and mic that's all because it's got to... that tone and
2: i never i never do anything direct i always you always app. M- i have a home studio that has like a devising wall in the window and all that stuff and i can crank up mm-hmm. an app and stuff and i i'll that's it's almost easier for me to do that because it's wired that way than yeah try to get a good sound running direct which
1: well no it's great and and what's interesting you have a clean sound but then you punch it a little bit and you're playing and it gets what i call that bloom it just gets a little bit of distortion or it gives it that kind of rich Harmonic content.
2: Yeah, I think it's just a setting on the you know that sort of has some magic to it on the um, on the Mesa Boogie Triaxes, which I've had mm-hmm. since. Uh, God, I had that thing since uh, 1994. It is still like my number one amp when I feel like schlepping it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's you know, and I got to give a shout out too. Mm-hmm. that. Uh, <clears throat> in 1994, we had a, a, a terrible house fire that we lost everything and lost uh, you know all of our pets and everything, and we were renting a house up in Woodland Hills. And it was Music Cares that actually showed up and helped me out and helped me to kind of replace my gear. Oh, very cool. And, and so shout out to Music Cares. Definitely a very good cause to donate to. And, and that's when I got that particular amp, and it's still my number one. It's an incredible, one incredible piece of gear. Yeah.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about your background. Um, you are a graduate from the Dick Grove School. which yeah. are, I don't know if that is the Dick Grove School still around
2: Uh, It's only, as I understand it, online. And uh, I'll give another shout-out to my brother, Dirk Price, who I think took it over. Uh, He's a really good guitar player and is in in Oregon. And he does, like, uh, I think there's online classes, and you can mail order some of the Harmony books and the lessons and the DVDs and things like that now. But there's no uh, brick-and-mortar. Yeah, because
1: that was one of the places, I remember, I was at SC with Duke Miller, and then uh, the... uh, The Dick Rowe School was around for a while back in... This was back in the 70s, and it had been... It was like the school. There wasn't pretty much until Howard Roberts came with the Guitar Institute later. Right. And at at the time I was in school, Howard and Duke were buddies, and they were both doing their their projects.
2: So was that now synonymous with MI? I mean, is that... Yeah, it's it's become
1: musician because they started expanding to other instruments.
2: Well, I'm very... uh, uh, Lucky to say the least to have had that experience. I was there um, for three and a half years over mm-hmm. a period of five years, starting in the summer of '79, right after I graduated high school. So that's how old I am, right? Now. <laughs> you can do the math. But uh, it was uh, it was uh, a spectacular, uh, you know, experience. And uh, there's still kind of a tight. Thanks to Facebook, actually, there's quite a tight uh, little. Group of uh, alumni who went through the same mm-hmm. incredible experience. You know, so. so
1: you learned arranging, orchestration. I did. Now you, you and also too, you played keyboards. Did you pl- uh, learn? Did you uh, take classes in keyboard there, or just guitar? Uh, no, I went through the whole year-long keyboard program. Oh wow!
2: And then, as part of that program, um, uh, as part of that program, one of the teachers that I had uh, well Dick was one of the teachers the main teacher but uh, this woman Joyce Collins who was just an incredible piano player and she's passed on now but she said you know after having some lessons with her she said you need to study with this guy Terry Trotter Mm -hmm. and I said sign me up I know who he is love his playing you know and uh, so I studied privately with Terry back in the day and uh, that was a huge influence you know Mm -hmm. so now and Terry Terry just uh he was an amazing stu- he is an amazing studio musician and and then uh in um later in his career did all the music to uh not Will and Grace, but uh the Ray Romano show. What whatever that was. The the uh Everybody loves Ray Everybody loves Yeah, Ray So man. all that piano playing oh, is him and uh yeah, that's Terry <laughs> and uh <that clears throat> and uh Terry if you're listening, man we got to do lunch. <laughs> yeah. The, his influence is, uh, you know, is huge. in my keyboard playing, you know,
1: well, speaking of influence, let's talk a little bit about the influence of your keyboards and your arranging orchestration <coughs> to guitar and vice versa. Cause I, I, Lori knows I always ask this question because, um, one of the uh, teachers that I had over at SC, uh, he, um, uh, talked about the advantage of being a guitar player that you could uh, the way you phrase as a guitar player when you do that like when you write strings it's a unique sound and it's a very cool sound mm. and keyboard is the way you know when you're looking at the keyboard and you're writing like you know your charts um you look at it differently than as a guitar because you have the inversions where you're always playing right. inverted chords just because of the the nature of the guitar itself. So right, how it's tuned. Yeah, so that's yeah. kind of what you end up with the, with uh, basic fingerings. You get. So like how that did that? You know, tell me a little bit about that interaction because it must have been a, it must be an influence in how you play and stuff.
2: Uh, well, if I'm, what's this question specifically? I mean, you're saying the
1: interact. How much? What what influences of the keyboards into your uh, your guitar playing, and then vice versa, like your guitar playing to your keyboard playing and ranging. Gosh, that's a good question.
2: I I really feel like you know when I'm when I'm in one instrument, I'm in that instrument. Okay, and. Um, and when I'm in the other, I'm I'm in the other. I'm not I'm not so sure one influences another so much. Um, um,
1: but like for example, when you're writing string uh, charts, okay, uh, yeah. and you're doing some lines, are you thinking guitar like okay, I can have it do this, and this harmony is going to be this? Or no, you I'm thi-
2: never when I'm arranging for an orchestra, which. <coughs> um. um or even just, you know, synth- you know even if it's just MIDI, it's yeah. the same mentality or whatever. I I don't think too much about guitar. I really think, uh, I do think about dividing up the orchestra. Like, I want the string section to sound good in its voicings and inner movement.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: then the brass, you know, each, each section sounds good on its own. Then that's kind of a basic uh, thing that I have. And then I just kind of use my arranging knowledge. I went through the composing and arranging program uh, at the Dick Grove School. And that was, you know... So each each uh, I mean we really were taught to think as arrangers rather than from an instrument. Okay. You know, does that make sense? Like a yeah, you know, yeah. A blank score pad, you know, <laughs> pencil, <laughs> sleepless nights, all yeah, that yes, stuff, yes, you know? yes. So I'm really I'm really thinking about, you know, the voicings for that particular section and, mm-hmm. and for each particular section that that kind of thing.
1: So now what were your influences? What guitar players influenced you in your early years to Oh, that's
2: a good question. Um well, um I first started playing my aunt Nancy gave me my first guitar when I was (laughs) twelve and I learned how to tune it from a book. And I was kinda goofing around just learning little chords here and there, and then I mean it was just it just happened one day that I was like playing a G chord when some John Denver tune or something was on the radio, and, like, you know, when I was playing the same chord as what was on the radio, <laughs> <my> <laughs> whole, it was like a witching stick. Like, like, oh, you know, I can do this. You know, So, yeah, I listened to a lot of John Denver, big Eagles fan, big Doobie Brothers fan, huge, you know, Frampton, Earth, Wind & Fire, all that stuff. Um, I, I just tended toward good songs with good guitar parts, basically. Mm-hmm. I um, For being a guitar player, I'm not really like a... Heavy metal guy or a shredder or any of that stuff. I was never really drawn to that, you know. Just good songs, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, growing up in the magic seventies was was a thing. So then I got into, um, you know, of course, probably burned through two or three sets of the Frampton Comes Alive album. <laughs> <You> know, <again. laughs> And then kind of got into more uh, of like the Larry Carlton's and the Robin Ford's and the Lee Rittenhours and the studio musicians that were kind of in their heyday in that time. Mm-hmm. Michael Landau and Dean Parks and, of course, Steve
1: Lukather and, you know, things like Still that.
2: Happening. Still happening. Still happening. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: well, I but, noticed uh, that on your album... We were talking about this a little bit before the show is you get that sustain that's forever that Larry, similar to what Larry yeah. used to get, and you'll like hit a note and you'll play a line and you'll you'll finger it without and it's just keeps sustaining and you get these beautiful lyrical little oh, little snippets.
2: Well, um, I think part of it is just the the guitar, the amp volume, and I, I'm not a loud guy. But uh, definitely, for in my entire, you know, just to talk about
1: geek guitar stuff, um,
2: I definitely relied heavily. On, like my Desert Island pedal was the MXR Dynacom yeah, which is
1: know. what Larry used a lot. Oh, is that right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that <laughs> was. I didn't his... know
2: that. I just yeah, cool. So I mean, that was just seemed to work. Um, I actually to you know to to geek out on that a little bit. Um, that particular pedal, it's the MXR Red pedal. With the two knobs on it, that's still a great pedal. I find that that pedal, which I used a lot on the album, it's a little much with this Les Paul. With double coil pickups, I I find that to be... It's a little too... Like, you couldn't turn the setting low enough. Right. So I kind of retired it for this uh, exotic SP pedal that's like the half-size white pedal. And you can blend in the amount of compression... Which I find is a
1: little bit better. Yeah, a lot uh for, Wampler makes one too, where you can have the clean sound, so you get the articulation yeah. and the transient, but you still get the fullness of the compressor. Exactly, yeah. yeah.
2: So, um, so, I mean, listen, no no diss to the Dynacomp. It got me through my entire career and. But uh, this is just a little bit, little bit better with the Les Paul, I think. Uh, and then, the, you, of course, you can crank in more compression when you're using, you know, single coil pickup
1: strats, and tellies and stuff. Mm-hmm. The thing I liked about the Dynacom though is it colored the sound a certain way. That's it true. had a definite sound yeah, to it. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't transparent, and I, you know, and that's part of what made it work.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's an album, another one of my Desert Island albums is this uh, um, album, um, Living on the Fault Line. Mm-hmm. From the Doobies, I don't know if you. Know oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like one of my favorite records. Um, and uh, there's a solo. I think it's on. Uh, I think it's on that title track where Jeff Baxter gets this like super direct, over compressed sound. It just sound, and that's kind of to me. That's like the classic Dynacomp yeah. on steroids sound. That's
1: <laughs> just gorgeous. You know, well, like, I'm gonna uh, play a clip again from yeah. the uh, the the album. This is I edited two of the sections together this is sunday school it has that kind of sustain take a listen and we'll talk a little bit about that Is that the MXR, or are you using the uh, using something else? Uh, that's
2: gosh, memory serves. That's this one. That's the ESP.
1: Because that's ESP. like, I mean, you're getting sustained like forever, and you're not <laughs> playing. You know, usually a lot of people get that up just totally. Cranking the amp, right, right, but it's just like right there.
2: Yeah, no, no, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm not a loud guy, but I, I do love a good spoonful of compression, and you know, to get that sustain, you know.
1: <laughs> but you get a, but you get a nice uh, distorted sound too. It's, it's a very rich and mellow type of sound. Thank
2: you, thank you. Yeah, and all of the distortion on the record, all the crunch is coming from the. Uh, it's natural. It's coming from the uh, the the triaxis, the Mesa Boogie triaxis. It's you know, oh, okay, a half crunch setting, so. I think I use uh, maybe just, to, like, uh, there's, a, there's a song on there called Four Quarter Miles and the Bridge. I kind of put a little dirt on it. It's like a bebop song, but uh, mm-hmm. I think I used a pedal for that. But all of the distortion on the whole record is, is natural. It's from the amp. And
1: you're right? using predominantly the Les Paul, or did you use? Because it's interesting. You get that, you know, Larry used that e, that three, ES-335. Right, right. And most of the session guys I know that were going for that sound would always use a 335. Well, I, I think the...
2: You know I actually I don't I don't have a 335 I have another guitar that's like it that has single coil pickups and has a different sound um but I thought I, I I was so influenced by that kind of music, and I got to find a way to make it my own. And I figured mm-hmm. the Les Paul is the way to do it, and that was my original guitar. You know, big shout out to my my parents, uh, Doug and Dixie Dexter, who bought me my first Les Paul, and that's <laughs> in a little Podunk store in uh, Iola, Kansas. You know, which uh, I have some blood there. So,
1: do you, do you still have the original one?
2: I don't. I'd actually got stolen. Ah! It's another whole tragic story for another show, but. Uh, all of that to say that. It's a show on. Yeah. <laughs> all of that to say that um, uh, that was my r- first like real guitar and. I always keep coming back to it, man. That's just the, it's just dude, yeah, it's my home, man, and uh, and it's 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 all things to me. It's funky. It's complete, yeah. Lyrically, you can crank, you know. It does it all. For, it's
1: so. a great sound. I mean, you get a really good. Thank you. Uh, it Thank it you. has a very um, what I call the uh, Gibson acoustic sound, where because the three thirty five the the soundboard affects it. That right. hollow right. part of it does a sector and a lot of Les Pauls are kind of. They're very. They don't have a lot of. Uh, it's mainly the pickups that you're hearing, but you get that really mellow, mellow, mellow sound. Yeah, I'm
2: really. I love this guitar, and I don't know if it's. Uh, I mean, it's hard to find a bad Les Paul, but I mean, this one you can kind of get that throaty, air sound. That's almost like a three thirty five. You know, it has a, has a lot of uh, character to the tone. I'm, I'm very pleased with
1: it. So. Yeah. No. It's a great. It's Thank a you. great, great sound. Now, um, I'm going to play a clip. Um, I want to talk about this because you mentioned a, an effect that I. Really remember from the old days and i think it, we should draw attention to it this is a uh, clip from uh, holly dexter your wife's yeah, album yeah and this is called uh, cheap wine and cigarettes and you're doing slide and and listen to the guitar on the right channel when you listen to this in headphones uh, check it out and then we'll talk about what you're doing on here
0: Of a shattered star, and it's long been.
1: Now, you told me I'm, I'm going to ask you yeah. on the air so you explain what you were using. What were you using on that on that you were doing the slide and then that other guitar on the right, the rhythm guitar.
2: Yeah, um the I, I gosh, I mean, that album is like right after The Fire which sort of time stamps a lot of my life, you know, so that would have been like 95, 96 mm-hmm. right there. And so uh, the amp would have been the Triaxis for sure, mm-hmm. and everything mic'd. Um, nothing running direct. The uh, the guitar on the right. It sounded to me I can't remember, but I, it sounded like it was just a, a, a like a neck pickup Strat or t- Tele. It sounded like single coil. It yeah, was a yeah. So either the either my Strat or my Tele on the neck pickup, and then it was also just. On the left guitar it was left side guitar it was just shadowing that rhythm. So like I doubled it, like left acoustic, right electric and mm-hmm. just Played the electric guitar like an acoustic guitar. And now
1: I pulled the clip from the beginning because it yeah. shows the the guitars are up front before yeah. she starts singing before right. Holly starts right. singing. Later in the uh, song, it's hard to hear it because it's be, it's behind the vocal and the vocal's going forward. Right. Uh, yeah. But there, it sounded like you processed the strat too. Do you remember doing anything to it? Because it like it either was a phaser or something. It wasn't it. quite like. Well, first of all, tell us what you were using on the uh, slide guitar because that's kind of <coughs> cool. That's a cool thing. The
2: slide guitar. I mean, I've always. Love as I mentioned the uh, the the whole Frampton sound where he runs his guitar through a, an organ speaker the Leslie organ Leslie cabinet yeah I've always just loved that sound um, and so you know back in those days um, you know when everybody had like big rack systems and stuff now I'm talking 19 mm-hmm. you know in the 80s and 90s and stuff so. so. So that sound, that that swirly sound that I was getting on the on the slide was from uh, the uh, the Leslie speaker effect in the elisis Quadriver. <laughs> and uh, that's a funny sort of a funny side story too. Um, uh, I was shopping for one used because you know I was broke ass broke in those days, and I ended up uh, finding one in the recycler. And I show up to the guy's house to buy this thing, and it's. <laughs> My friend uh, John Parr, who goes by John Christopher, he's a tremendous guitar player, and we we were like, like, oh, it's you, it's you, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I still have the Quadroverb; I still have it. There, yeah, uh, yeah the you was know,
1: uh, one of the first multi-effects. Uh, rack mount right. things, just yeah. so the people that are not familiar with the early Alesis. And yeah. they were really reasonable. That one was, I think, about $400. That's
2: right. It, yeah, that's it. And, and it, the beauty of that thing was that it just you could layer multiple effects and, you know, of course there were different things that came out that were more and eventually less expensive, but it was just really cool that you could program it and it could do several effects at once, you know.
1: yeah. And, and uh, Alesis was famous for their originally, they came out with a cheap digital reverb that was decent. Totally. Yeah. So, keyboard players, uh, yourself, it yeah. was like one of the coolest reverbs. Completely. And you know, the only thing else out there was you know like a Lexicon that was thousands of dollars in the studio. Well,
2: and to this day, and I think even on my album here, the the uh, has this sort of half size reverb called a microverb. Yes, you know? the
1: micro, and it was like a ninety dollars. Yeah,
2: and and some of the small room sounds I used on the drums on my album, I just <laughs> you know just like the initial small room thing, yeah. and then added bigger reverbs to the snare and stuff like that but he was i mean i you know yeah and i they, must confess they, that it was just that cheapo reverb for the room sound and i love it it's, it's
1: they great. were really hip they had that uh gated uh yeah, verb that Phil Collins used to use on his drums, right. and you could get it on those little verbs. Yeah, and it was like you could just dial it up, and it was there. And, and you know, when, when Phil Collins did it, he spent hours with either an AMS or a Lexicon completely. Or anything, and you just like boom, it's right there, and it was ninety nine bucks. And there it was, the sound. Oh, I love them. I still have. A, I have a, a wedge and a, I think a micro a midi verb.
2: Yeah, they're and just it's, easy they're and handy, cheap, and it's like, eh, you
1: know, that's a great sound. Yeah. So, but you don't remember using anything else on the strap.
2: Well, for sure the compressor, the Dynacom, probably because that was just mm-hmm. it, I just sort of that's a pedal that I just always had on. <laughs> 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 um, but I don't I don't recall any other phasey kind of effect on that. It's just been so long I just honestly don't remember.
1: Well, I'm going to play another clip. All right, uh, and I'll try to get his name right, Victor. Cahiao. Cahiao. Yeah. Now, this is an interesting clip. There's three things going on. Uh, You're going to hear... This, this is in the middle of the song where you do a nylon string solo, and then you go to an electric guitar solo. And at the very end, he there's like a little riff that's going on that's like a melodic thing that reoccurs in the song, and you're doing like an octave lead with him because he it, plays guitar.
2: No, no. Uh, let me set that up. Um, my friend Victor and his uh, buddy Joe Christina are okay. dear friends of mine that I grew up playing in Top 40 bands at a high school with. And then uh, he Victor's a saxophone player, and Joe's a uh, trombone player and a, a, an orchestrator arranger. Both okay. really talented guys and just dear friends of mine. And, mm-hmm. you know, th- reconnected on Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, after a big gap and years have gone by. And anyway, so this is their project. It's Victor and Joe's project. It's called Surrender. That's the title right. track of the album. It's a great album, and uh, they just, you know, for the sake of reconnecting, just say, hey, we got to get Troy on this, and blah, blah, blah. And, and there's a, many, many other great musicians, and the other guitar player on the song, I forget his name, he's tremendous. So and, he's the
1: guy that's playing at the beginning. There's like a whole guitar thing going on at the front. Uh,
2: we're both. It's, it's, it's an octave. Right, I'm, right, right. I'm playing the higher octave, um, and uh, Alex Acuna played drums and percussion on the whole album, so that was an honor to be on a record with yeah. him and stuff, so. Um, but anyway, I love these guys, and I, it's a great record. And I just thought, you know, this well, this is this was interesting maybe for this show because it was it was a lot of reading and an odd time signature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so I was like, I was having some deodorant failure, like looking at the charts and, and, and then improvising <laughs> over it and all of that, and you know, twice and whatever. And but. Uh, yeah, they had me play on a couple songs and then play keyboards on it. I think I play also Rhodes on this on this song as well and mm-hmm. some others. But it's it's really a great album and it was a, really an honor to to reconnect with them and and all that. So.
1: Well, you make it sound effortless. And oh, here's man. let me play the clip here. This is "Surrender." So take a listen to that. You'll hear the two solos and then at the very end you'll hear him doing that high octave guitar doubling with the other guitar player. Here's "Surrender." That's a great, great, and, and you're really, now that's the Les Paul? Yeah. That's the Les Paul, because you're getting a really good, it's not a, I would call a crunch sound, but it's a really rock, that's a, you, you can rock there yeah. with the good. Yeah,
2: oh, thank you, well, yeah, I'll geek out on that a little bit too, that's this uh, Burnley pedal, which is more of a high gain pedal that was developed by uh, Rupert Neve and,
1: uh somebody else <laughs> i forget well grab uh, your guitar it. let's yeah. let's get into what you're sure. using here he, um he brought in his pedal board so i it's a great setup and uh there's some really interesting things on here so you can go yeah. ahead Mine want not you just show us that pedal right now
2: okay that, that i used on that tune is that what you're yeah. saying okay <laughs> tuning yeah, so this is the, the Burnley pedal, which is just a really good sounding uh, pedal for more high-gain stuff. Um, it's not an everyday pedal for me, but when I need it, it's there, and it's, it's the closest thing to, um, to a good sounding amp in a pedal. <laughs> That's... Mm-hmm.
1: Now, he's using, uh, the amp is clean. Go ahead and uh, bypass everything so they can hear what the actual amp is doing okay. right now. And uh, that sounds really, it has that rich uh, harmonics like the triaxis. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It sounds like an amp to me. So uh.
1: so this is just the amp. So that's oh, basically what yeah. we're, we're doing. This okay. is what the that's, amp sounds like.
2: That's just the amp, I think.
1: So it's really clean so all that the distortion and the the harmonic content is coming from that now do me a favor play the the distortion pedal and then play light and then dig into it to see how the so people can hear how the yeah, yeah, sure. p-
2: so this is just this is no compression or anything this no, no, just no.
1: So it has a, it's dynamic sensitive and it changes the carrot. It dig. I like it when you right. dig in. It gets a little more top end to it, like kind of like when the speaker yes I distorts. Think, I
2: think that's how it was. Uh, that's that was kind of the the thought behind the the, the yeah. You know. So uh, and same thing with this amp eleven, which this thing is this thing is great. Oh, sorry, this thing is is really cool. It's um, this is the thing that made me retire my tube screamer. And this is made by a company called Love Pedal, lovepedal.com. So, um, and this is a sort of a half crunch. and this is more of my like my everyday pedal. And uh, this is this is a good one. And then it also has a boost built into it as a separate part of the pedal. Okay. <laughs>
1: That's it's kind of like you turn it's it reminds me of like one of my Fenders at about six so it's clean yeah. but if you dig in it dirt's it exactly
2: up. and and you know when you kick the boost on it just kind of it, it, I think that their advertising thing was that they called it a shot and a beer you know or a yeah. beer and a shot or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, so that's more of my everyday but I usually have the compressor on which sounds like this so you kind of get that little. Extra sustain at a low volume.
1: Okay. It. Now that's the amp 11 with the compressor? Correct. So that's is that your... Without the boost, yeah. Is that your setting for the like the Larry Carlton type of thing?
2: That's kind of more of my everyday setting. Yeah, I mean, that's that's
1: just... Where you get yeah. that nice, rich... Yeah. You're using the rhythm pickup to get that real bluesy sound. Yeah,
2: that'd be more like this with the, uh, the neck pickup, you know, would SP uh, compressor but then just just a little bit of half crunch and that's i don't know to me man i want to hear that i want to hear the guitar you know but just have a little bite on it you know, right so
1: so now with in recording too now this mm-hmm. is when you're using the Triaxis. do you crunch the do you distort the speaker or do you basically keep the system clean and then go in and use the control the distortion by Either the preamp or the triaxis or the pedals.
2: Uh, that's a great question. The uh, when I'm recording, I will usually take the time to dial in an amp distortion sound because whatever, however good this stuff sounds, just going into a clean amp, the mm-hmm. amp, the triaxis is going to sound better. It's going to take that even up a notch, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you know, of course, uh, the common thing to do is combine. You know, when you need that extra shot, just. Pfft, step on the step on the amp 11 or a tube screamer or whatever with the crunch sound coming from the amp and that's just that's a great
1: sound too you know. yeah so you're using the amp 11 in that instance as an overdrive just to get just yeah. to, yeah, just to a punch boost. it a little bit
2: Right, I don't think I did that on my record, but I do do it if I need to yeah. on a session or, or if I'm recording, you know, for somebody else or whatever. So, so,
1: so. Now, do you ever do you ever uh, set up your amp to get the power amp to distort, which we call like the brown sound when you get the power tubes. Crunching? Or I do you, never
2: do. I mean, it's just. I, I mean, mean, you it, get
1: a great sound. I mean, I mean, it's and it does sound like the amp is yeah. is cranking. But I mean, I because I know the Triaxis is really good at doing that. Yeah. But I was just curious if you've ever played because you the fact that you have a separate power amp, right. you could actually you know tap it or I something. I could, else.
2: but I mean, it just seems like that would be ungodly loud. But yes. Know, so, no, I mean, so far no need, but you know.
1: Now is this the system that you you use for uh, when you play with Wilson Phillips is this your guitar system
2: uh in, in essence, it was. I was the guitar player in Wilson Phillips uh, f- alone and then and then later on with Rob Bonfilio. Mm-hmm. Um, Who's been on the show. Amazing, amazing musician. His record sounds so good. He's such a great player and a great singer and just an amazing artist in his own right. And I he love gave him. gave
0: up some of his secrets on, on this show. Yes, right? we've had, yes. <laughs>
2: oh, and, and Rob is, you know, he's he's like so he's like a tinkerer man he like builds his own pedal boards and he's always doing all that kind of stuff so he's deep in the well in that. he's he's really good at it and, um, but I am actually at present time the keyboard player in Wilson Phillips oh okay so you don't do any guitar? I don't even check a bag man I just walk <laughs> in and it's other <laughs> <You know, like, laughs> I just walk in and one cool thing about that is that uh, you know they always ran a Hammond organ for me so that's awesome and that's you know god's instrument right there so so the real thing you know i've got a couple of uh, yamaha keyboards and then and and, uh, and an actual b3 on every single gig and it's glorious that, so uh,
1: i'm taking a picture that's why oh. i sound so far away but i just noticed that you shaved the neck of uh, your les paul so it's unfinished do you is it just raw wood or do you have like oil or do you oil? well
2: um the reason that I did this did that um the back of my the the neck the back of the neck of my Les Paul is is sanded down and then just there's a little light clear finish on it to protect the wood but um the reason that I did that um in addition to that's I just like the feel of that so much Mm -hmm. um it sort of feels like some of the Music Man guitars that have a little, not such a heavy, glossy finish on the back of the mm-hmm. neck. They're, they're really smooth to play on the back. But this guitar was actually one that survived our house fire. And so you can kind of see all the burn marks on the headstock on the front and the back. It sort of has some uh, fire wounds and uh it was a scene where the finish on the guitar was you know burnt and bubbled and 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 really messed up and um it took me about ten hours to clean up the guitar and then had it set up, but it actually lived and
1: uh, I haven't seen that that uh tailpiece in a while that uh t i forget what's called the t p one or whatever with the adjustable Fine-tuners. Oh yeah, that's Hold on. I'm trying to grab a picture of it.
2: There we go. So what he's talking about is the tail piece on the guitar where you put the the one end, the, not the tuning side of the string, but the other
1: side. Similar uh, to what's on you, what you see on the Floyd Roses, those little uh, those little knobs that yeah, you turn and it can it can just uh, tweak it. There's a little
2: these. screw on each string um, that's like a violin tuner, so you can kind of yeah. fine tune it uh, on the you know on the on the guitar end of the strings, not the not where you thread it through the tuners. Yeah. So
1: now the pickups are original or did you put different original. pickups? No, they're original. God, it's got a great sound. Thank you. Thank and you what know. kind of strings do you use?
2: Um, I use either tomastic infilled power brights, uh, they're tens, or I have a sort of an endorsement deal with them and then or if I run out I'll just get Ernie Balls, you know, the the green package, the Ernie Ball tens couple of my the guitars the slinkies the right? regular slinkies yeah, yeah the light green
1: package so. no it gets it, and there's uh, plenty of harmonic content they're very bright they, they, you play a more deeper richer sound but I, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of harmonic content in those strings yeah,
2: yeah I'm happy with them. they feel good and especially when they're new. These are fairly new, I think.
1: So go a little more into detail of the the other pedals. You got a bunch of cool stuff on here.
2: Yeah, this pedal board I'm really happy with. I, I finally a few years ago threw down and had uh, Dave Phillips from LA Sound Design build me just sort of a sort of a catch-all pedal board. It's medium size and it's kind of big. It's a little bit too big to fly around, but for doing local sessions and recording work at my studio it's got, you know, 80, 90% of everything I need. So uh, it's got the an interface on it that acts as a buffer. So in other words, that keeps the tone intact. The purpose of that is, one of the purposes is so that um, by going through this pedal board, it sound, if I don't have any pedals on, it sounds exactly like I'm plugging in directly to the front end of an app. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there is literally no difference, and that's... The most awesome thing, because going through all these things can uh, can suck a lot of tone if you don't have that. Um, and I, so it goes through the compressor, or I guess the first thing is the wah wah pedal. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I have one of those weird wah wah pedals where it engages like I don't have to stomp a button. As soon as I put my foot on it, it's going.
1: Wow, wow. Oh, cool.
2: You know what I mean? So it's like I, I just on off. I don't have to like stomp a button to turn it on and off.
1: Uh,
2: uh, the only downside to that is that you can't leave it like half. You can't, I can't leave it in a position; it springs back to the
1: off. Oh, so it it, it pulls the the pedal back up right. and it's like a spring. So. Yeah,
2: you know, that's the only downside. But you know, so what? Um, and then it goes into this Univibe pedal. I, you know, I love the sound of like swirly, phasey kind of stuff. Uh, this is also a love pedal. It's called the Pickle Vibe. So it kind of gets this uh, phase shifter, but it's different. It's like more like a unified pedal. That has adjustable speed. And that feeds into the compressor. Uh, and then it goes into the amp 11, which you heard, which is like a tube screamer, like a half crunch kind of pedal. And
0: then the Burnley.
2: Uh, trying to do it in order, and I don't know what the order is. And <laughs> all this complex wiring and stuff. I got the uh, Empress Tremolo pedal, and that's a great pedal because it has all different kinds of waveforms for vibrato and tremolo, and then it also has a tap tempo. That was important to me to have. So. Basic tremolo, mm-hmm. and then this—we were talking about Leslie stuff, you know, the rotating speaker pedal. That's the uh, Strymon Lexus comes up next, and that's what this is. So
1: it's got the breaking. That's cool. Yeah,
2: it's a great pedal, and they make great stuff. So, again, not an everyday pedal, but like when I need it, Mm -hmm. there it is. And then, you know, whereas most guys would have a chorus pedal on theirs, I opted to have the flanger. I got the TC Vortex flanger, um, you know, which I can swap out for a chorus. But I just wanted something different. Yeah, it gets that richer, deeper. Right, and I wanted my... I kind of wanted my chorusing thing to sound a little bit more like some of the older Joe Walsh stuff, you know... it can do all
1: this kind of psycho. Yeah, you have more um, feedback. Get in some
2: other weirdness. I want something silly. And then it goes into this delay, the TC Nova delay, which is great. Um, I love this thing. It's, uh, it's got a bunch of presets on it. Um, I think, I don't know, nine presets. Mm-hmm. that you can scroll through real quickly. has a tap tempo. That's critical to me to have a tap tempo delay to get the delay in time with the music. So that's kind of a meat and potatoes delay that I use all the time. And if I scroll through, I'll just take you through this. this second. So here's a setting on this delay pedal that... Um, I use for, like, pads and stuff. If some, You know, just it works really good on a recording if mm-hmm. you just want the guitar swells and things like that, whale cries and, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a thing on it that actually puts a chorus on the delay, you know, so mm-hmm. the extra swirl and modulation. And then I can uh, go from that if I want. I think the other one that I use a lot is, Mm, not that one. So here's my my tape slap delay, you know, that's like for... (laughs) My Brian (laughs) Setzer-ish, rockabilly thing or whatever, Ish. ish. And then the other one I use on this. So again, I'm just quickly scrolling through these. They're, they're just sort mm-hmm. of there and ready. And each one of them I can uh, I can tap tempo. So this one uh, is um, like a dotted quarter note. So you can see the quarter notes are going by like this, two, three, four. If I, if I just play them, I kind of get the U2 where it's a dotted quarter. I'm just playing quarter notes and it's...
1: quarter notes that's great so he's just playing boom boom exactly boom, boom yeah
2: so the only tricky thing about that is if I have to do it live or on a recording I'm constantly kind of having to reiterate the tempo you know
0: <laughs> yeah
2: I can go faster like i Get something that's like one, two, three, four.
1: Pink Floyd,
0: yeah. too. <laughs> well, both, yeah.
1: yeah. I'm thinking the wall, sorry.
2: Yeah, so that's fun. Uh, it's, you know, again, not an everyday thing, but it's there if I need it, you know. So. And it does a bunch of other stuff. But one thing that's great about it is that you can blend, uh, go back and forth between like a digital delay or an analog delay type of right. delay you know like a tape delay so it has that
1: uh, it's not as high fidelity exactly it has right.
2: like the dirt on it on the repeats back to right. you and or you can blend anywhere in between so I, I i think it's a it's a really really good pedal so and then finally in the chain is the um it's uh, the it's made by new neighbor it's yeah n-e-u-n-a-b-e-r and it's a reverb pedal that has just all kinds of different reverbs in it, and uh, th- they just make great stuff. It's kind of a new
1: boutique company. They're really good. I have They're their really Seraphim. And okay, I'm, yeah, yeah. I've used it with a Kusa guitar, and it just gives you points. Yeah, plans.
2: exactly. So that <laughs> this particular pedal, the Immerse pedal, is is like their everything. It's like every product they make in this pedal, but you can't. You
1: can't use it's a... It's like uh, a little sampler of everything.
2: It's a sampler of everything, but you can't use a, uh, what do you call it, like a controller pedal, you know, with it. Yeah. It's, it's just, you, you got to style it, set it, and that's it, you know, but uh, um, but it's great. I mean, the,
1: it's a it's a cool pedal.
2: Really good, really good pedal. And I don't know, this seems like kind of a trend, but let me see if I can dial it in for you. But this whole business of the... Of the uh, I don't know what you call it. What's the, what's the effect that the seraphim gets that you? It's get? it's
1: basically like it's a cor- uh, like a coral pad behind yeah. it.
2: Yeah. So
1: it works really good with acoustic guitar when yeah. you're finger picking it. It's just killer. So it has you're a right shimmer
2: there? behind it and so like you can kind of hear that. Yeah. I can kind of crank it up, I guess. There you go. Yeah. So I can.
1: it's a very cool yeah. sound that's it's one of their signature things now before we're, we're out of time but what I want I have one request for you since you were talking about Joe Walsh hit the um, the the Burnley into the Leslie let's ah. see if we can get you the Joe Walsh Leslie sound yeah.
2: <laughs> the Burnley is going to be crunchy yeah but well, that's all right we like that <laughs>
1: There you go. (laughs) That's the sound. That is great. That is a great sound. We are out of time. I I can't think. Obviously you gotta come back there's just so <laughs> the much pedal be board pleasure. I can spend <laughs> um, well, quick, uh, a whole night on real quick there's dates coming up but what, what's happening with you
2: you know we are doing I think it's a performing arts center uh, with Wilson Phillips um, in uh, January 7th um, I think which it's a city? I'm sorry? which city? like Rancho Cucamonga here. Oh, Yeah, here yeah yeah here, you guys so. travel
0: all over so. that's true sorry <laughs>
2: um and that's all that I know of um, so I will keep you posted I mean I'm reachable on Facebook I post everything I do he so is, you know. yeah
1: he's on Facebook and also www.troydextermusic.com that's right. his website so. all of that's there mm-hmm. the new album's called Shop Talk right. and uh, is it out now is it available yet? it's yeah.
2: totally out now it's available you can get dollar. signed yeah mm-hmm. I was going to say you can get signed copies at, uh, thanks to Lori for the hook up there yeah. Um uh, you can get signed copies sent to you from rocksellermagazine.com. Zealand.com. rocksellermagazine.com. Mm-hmm. And it's
0: seller like a basement, C-E-L-L-A-R.
2: Yeah. Yes. Indeed. So good folks over there, they got a good good scene. Check there. this
1: album out; it's really it's a great album, and it's his tone again—the control that he has on the tone and that type of sustain for forever on it. It's it's a must listen to. Thank it's you very a great, much. It's
2: been a pleasure to be here, and I appreciate all the good words so it's, much, Jeff. Thank now
1: you. the one thing where he got a special surprise—he sent me a clip of him live, and uh, the name of this song is called "Walking Into a Dream," and this is he's doing solo. And this is going to be on his next album, so we're getting a sneak peek. <laughs> Tell yeah. me what you're using on this, because it sounds like it's acoustic, is it?
2: No, uh, this, on this, uh, this is something I did just as a YouTube thing. This song is dedicated to my grandson, our grandson, whose name is Ayumu. He is half Japanese, He mm-hmm. he's living in Japan with his mother. Uh, and uh, the, Ayumu, the, the, what that means in Japanese is walking, to, walking into a dream, so... This song, and most likely my whole next album will be dedicated to to him. And um, what I'm using, I'm just using um, I'm using a. American Standard Strat, no oh, okay. mods. Okay, so single because
1: it's a very a bright kind yeah. of sound.
2: Yeah, and I'm micing the amp, but I'm using a flip cam to do the YouTube. Oh, okay. And so what's happening is the the sound of the amp is coming back through my studio monitors and then into the camera. So you hear a little bit of the the strings of the guitar, mm-hmm. like acoustically, as well as the amp. But I think it was just a reverb and a delay and maybe a DynaComp, you know, on it. It's just a it's a uh, well, you'll hear it. It's just a solo piece. So.
1: Thank you again so much for being on the show. And, Lori, thank you so pleasure. much oh, for introducing yeah. it's, it's a pleasure.
0: Locals, pay attention because early next year there'll be a CD release. That's right. Concert yes. yeah. Somewhere around town.
2: Keep an eye on Facebook. We'll do something <laughs> in the Valley, uh, you know, probably February or March when we can get it together and get through the holidays, etc. So,
1: And this is, okay, so this is walking into a dream. And everybody have a great night. Check this out. It's just a beautiful song. Take care, everybody. Thank you you mm.